0: i'll probably never see you again
1: hello good morning sir how hey, are good you good
0: morning it's been a very long time very
1: long i feel like uh i feel like it's we're due for a show mm. Hmm. Whether, whether we need it or not whether we do
0: or not that's what my grandmother used to say she used to say you should take a bath every week whether you need it or not <laughs> wow she was full of wisdom i get it welcome K- back kentucky the old country oh thank you thank you it's good to be back um yeah, it's uh, it's been too uh, too long.
1: Two too episodes, long, two, two episodes, weeks. two, two, two. The filling guy was was pretty good, but I uh, missed you.
0: Oh my goodness! Wow, man. Yes, he was great. I uh, I, I well, the funny part is I do a weekly podcast. I do two weekly podcasts with two people, mm-hmm. and those two people have done a podcast together the last two weeks. It's weird. I think it's called Cuckolding. In Germany. <laughs> Is that is that what that is? C- cuckold shisa? Yeah, it's it's like a sour bratton, but you make it with chicken, and your wife uh, is doing something you gotta uh. watch.
1: <laughs>
0: it, 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 it I don't know, I don't know. I'm don't know. stirring it. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that John talked about uh, stirring the sauce on the uh, recent uh, reconcilable differences. Yes, we did a whole show about food and cooking. It was, ter- it was a terrible idea. I'm sorry, I'm still waking up a little bit. Um, yes. So uh, to your point. <clears throat> Uh yeah, it was weird. Uh John is is a very interesting guest on this show. It is like a podcast cockle-ding experience because I get to see what both of you are like when I'm not around and it seems uh strange.
1: It's a, is it strange like is because I I as you know, I listen to the uh the other show that you do, Roderick on the line. I think you listen to a couple to catch up. Yeah. No, I mean I keep I keep tabs on it. I keep sure. up with it. Tabs and, are kept. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't want to I don't want to overdo it. You know, there's a limit, but I feel like he's, he's, he's the same guy, but he's a little bit different on uh, when he, when he was a fill in on this show. You know what I'm saying? Like he's the same guy, but he's a little bit different. Whereas uh, you, I think are essentially the same on all of them. Oh, really? You know what I mean? Like, that's I, super interesting. Like, I, I don't get that at all, but, but that's probably true. No, I feel like you are. You may talk about different things. But oh, it's, but, I'm,
0: but I'm broken in a similar way. On all <laughs>
1: you're broken
0: in wherever you go. Yeah, right. I'm professionally broken. Yeah. Also, I think I, it's, it helps that I think, I don't know, I don't have this officially. I don't have a paper that says this, but I think I'm kind of the only person who's officially allowed to interrupt John. Oh, and, right. And I use that at length. Because yes. that's otherwise the show would never end. <laughs> there has to be, there has to be, and, and, and you know, I, and to John's credit, he's become much more sensitive to the whole like, mm hmm, these can't all be two and a half hours long. Yeah. Because the ones that get to be two and a half hours long are the ones we can't put out.
1: Oh, are you saying that you have like a trove of unreleased stuff? I would not put it that way. Oh. I would say there are shows that,
0: that were destroyed as soon as they were finished. <laughs> really? Oh, goodness me, yes. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Sometimes you got to throw out the underwear. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Wow. I introduced my daughter to that. Did you ever see that? uh, You know, you can get a a safe, right? You know, you can get a safe. It's like a, it's like a book and you put your, put your money in a book and it looks like you got a book, but it's actually a safe. Have you seen the one with dirty underpants?
1: Uh, The cover of it? looked no, no, I've not seen any of it. Do me a favor. Do me a favor. Um, Google underpants safe. (laughs) Okay. Fake soiled underpants for home security. That's the long version, the SEO version. Yeah, coolest. Ga- oh God, why would you ever?
0: Okay, so, so you walk into bad. somebody's, you walk into somebody's Marriott room. You see a book, <sighs> you see a safe, you see a TV. Wow, and then you see you see some uh, some underwear with serious skid marks on the floor. Where's the last place you're going to look for somebody's dough?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, you know, it's a rabbit hole. Once you start going uh, into the whole, like, terrible. you know, diff- yeah. So now did, you, did you buy, coming would you back buy something like that? No, you coming back from a recent trip. Did you use this? Well, I don't have the official sanctioned version. I I I make my own. <laughs> you got your own.
0: I'm a life hacker. Oh god. So bad. Um super interesting um Ugh. the the I, I texted you about this, but I was walking down the street in Portland. I just finished working for the day and I got dropped off and I was buying some wine at the 7-11 and I treated myself to listening to a little bit of the, the back your back to work program. Yeah. And like the beginning of last week's episode is so bizarre. The, John's whole fever dream about the yeah. hospital ship with the lips.
1: Yeah. Mm. Uh, I mean, it just, and yet, like somehow with the way he talks about it, it makes it sound all right. You know, John, like it, it, he frames it in a way that you get on board with it.
0: Yes. I agree. And <laughs> it also, it, oh, God, these underwear are really gross. I'm going to put that in show notes. I uh, got a few of them, so add to it. Okay, thank you. I'm, you know what, I'm going to close that window. Uh, he also has a peculiar gift uh, that is not shared by that many people, which is that he has a way of describing his dreams uh, that's not unlistenable. Right. He's a good storyteller. Mm, a fairy. He fairy. He can make a good story out of almost anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, he kind of can't stop himself. But thank you uh, for finding John to do a fill-in, and th- and uh, thank you to John Roderick for. Uh, oh my God! You guys, today is August fourth. Yeah, is, this a is a big day for him. If you uh, if you live in Seattle, well, you know what? This is, I think I'm allowed to say this. I can have opinion, right? Yeah, of I can, course, I can you can have, have an opinion. Yes, this
1: is a show here to about electioneer.
0: Opinions. It's not. I'm not here to electioneer. I'm, I'm not here to. Uh, <laughs> I'm not here to carpet bag or or or, or, or tea bag or right. any of those None things. Of that. Uh, no, no, I'm. I'm just here to say that uh, you know, if you're in Seattle and you can vote and you haven't voted yet, uh, please consider uh, voting for John Roderick for City Council. You know, I second, I second the motion. I think, man, if he can make it through this process, I think he's going to be so good at that job. He has handled this entire thing. I hope this doesn't sound like faint praise because I don't or certainly don't mean it that way. I mean it as a huge compliment. The stuff that he has gone through in these last few months is just. Some of the stuff people know, some people don't know, but it's a lot of work. It's a lot of, like, again, the emotional reservoir. It's like there's no chance for him to top up his tank before he has to go talk to some other group that's waiting for him to say the right thing. Oh, yeah. Just hearing (laughs) about
1: his schedule of of what he's doing and knowing that in each of those, like, meetings, I think, wasn't, didn't he say he has like six to eight hours of meetings a day? He does it. He, he, does with people, least, it's not like it's not like a meeting. Like when you and I say, "Oh, I got a meeting." Like a lot of the time, that involves like a nice lunch somewhere with some friends that you like talking to. He's having meetings like with strangers who are grilling him about things right, that he doesn't right. know and 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 wouldn't necessarily want to hang out with or choose to hang out with and may never see again.
0: Imagine being a brand new salesperson at a brand new company. Yeah, so you have at least two strikes against you so if you're if you're you know and as much as John has experience in many things he is just on the face of it new to being in an you know in an election and running for office yeah a lot of lot of ins a lot of outs a lot of what have you and so there's a lot of he's got he's got to just go places and be the 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 new person in the room yeah. over and over imagine having six sales meetings a day where you have to describe with your you know, new skills, like what this new company, unproven company
1: does. With the same amount of enthusiasm every single time, repeating yourself in a new way every Com- single composure
0: time. Composure and decorum, and, but still sticking to the things that you really believe in, even as you are actively trying, unlike most of us, actively trying to learn things and improve at what you do. So anyway, I, I, I got a good, I don't want to jinx it, I got a good feeling for the guy, but yeah. you know. Uh, you'd you'd never you never know. Yeah. So did. how do we yep, keep yep.
1: like how do we keep tabs on it? How do we because like you can't turn on the local news here in Austin and see the like primary results is it like a presidential thing where they like he he has a speech prepared if he wins and a speech prepared if he doesn't and like is is it televised? Should I be looking at a website? How do I how That's do a good I question. stay tuned I, into that. I
0: I do not know the answer to that. We should ask uh uh Jason Finn, who who does a lot of uh, the uh, public facing stuff with John, we should ask him. Jason Finn is a very uh, capable guy. Um I don't know the answer to that. Uh but uh, I'll be watching out today. You know, I, you know this election seems so different now that more and more people vote early, yeah. or, you know, vote vote by mail, ballot. So interesting to think about that. That's I bet that vastly changes the demographics or in the results of elections. You know, in the same way that like you know, there's a reason CBS does so well because the kind of people who pick up their phone for surveys about what TV shows you watch or <laughs> fill out forms are the old people. You know, turns out, yeah, still kind of waking up. Anyway. Well, I have, I have,
1: I, I know that you know, you're just returning from from a trip. I took a short little trip, and I, I had. I actually have oh, a, yes. a topic. Well, we, can, <sighs> we can get into that too. Yeah. So two topics, but I, oh, I have a yeah. topic for you that, that is um, kind of a life hacking, you know, um, improving your, you know, self-improvement. Uh, no, good barriers. Yeah. Creativity. Yeah.
0: Productivity, Dan Benjamin. I got a thing, um, but we can do he- that in any order. Yeah, no, I I, uh, I would love to talk about that. It was, you know, I, I don't know. I get I get stressed out when I have to travel sometimes, but it was really it was really easy. Um most of the trip. Um you know, Portland's Portland's a pretty cool pretty weird town. You've been there before, right? Mhm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I was in actually in I did a talk at a uh, con- conference there and I I know I've been in that venue, that convention center. I just can't remember this is what happens when you get old I remember Andy Bayo was there I remember my daughter was there and I was thinking it south by Southwest and then I said to myself I'm pretty <laughs> that's sure that's not, not important.
1: important see when you get to a certain age it, it no longer sounds like you were drunk or stoned when you say you can't remember something it's just like I can't I I know this person was there and and that person made a joke and uh and I was you know I I, I was awake but like you you it if if a twenty something says that you're like yeah, they were probably too drunk to remember. Oh no! But like, like if you're in your forties and you say it, it's like yeah you're that's just being. Oh, 40. that's just
0: SOP. Well, I remember <laughs> when and this I don't mean to make light of a very serious uh, uh, condition, but when I first learned that the great uh, Don Knotts had macular degeneration, which is why he was always wearing those big ass sunglasses. Mm. Do, do you know about macular degeneration? I do. It's pretty brutal. Yeah. Because if nice. I understand what it does correctly. You know, you think of, like as you get older and you have more organic uh, dissolution of your sight, you tend to get a little fuzzy around the edges. You can't see it in a distance. If I understand correctly, macular degeneration starts at the center and moves out. Hmm. And, and I don't know if that's exactly true, but when I heard that, I was like, "That is that is medieval. Like yeah. that sounds like like a horrible way to lose your vision." Yeah, that basically, as soon as you look at something, you can't see it, and that's and I, I don't mean to make light because that's a serious uh, condition, but. It's kind of how I feel about aging, too, mm. where I can see everything at the periphery, mostly, <laughs> but I have no idea what I'm actually looking at. Oh, come on. You know, it was people I know from the Internet. My daughter, uh,
1: there was that carpeting, I remember, and uh, there was coffee. Uh, it, was, it was definitely this convention center. I, I'm pretty sure it was South by Southwest. It, it always remi- reminds me of that Homer Simpson thing where he's trying to remember something, and in his memory, he's sort of all you know, like, uh, Bill, yeah, he's got, got, like a top hat. He's
0: like really ripped. Yeah.
1: He's really (laughs) ripped. And there's like a talking horse and Marge is like flying and, you know, and it's such a strange memory, but like, that's, that's how things are, you know?
0: Oh, I, yeah, absolutely. Rush him on. That's not how I remember.
1: (laughs) Uh, well, I just made
0: a meta Simpsons joke. Nice. I just made a Simpsons joke about a Simpsons joke. 10 points for Gryffindor.
1: And, and I found the image, too. I will put that into our, into <laughs> our show notes.
0: But I'm, I'm conflating two great flights of fancy. There was one flight of fancy where Marge is saying something. Homer says, that's not how I remembered it. And then you see him like in this,
1: like, he looks like a superhero or something. Is it something like that? Hold on. I'm gonna, I'll send it to you in the, in the robot oh. here. Hang on a second. I just got to find you. I updated your avatar manually in my contacts. Oh, I got to talk to you about contacts. You know. Man, I do have topics. Who who knew? Hold on. I do too. I,
0: I said like ten minutes ago I didn't have them, but now I think I do too. It'd be a marathon today. Could you get more sponsors? I got three. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's going in show notes. Yeah. Uh, Apu has three heads. <laughs> he has a baby with a beard. An alligator in a suit and bow tie. <laughs> <laughs> a
1: baby with a beard.
0: <laughs> and a guy with the penguin eyes. Yeah.
1: Head. <laughs> and Marge ah. is standing on a stool with her hair in curlers, her hair is green she's got a rolling, rolling pin, pin. Yeah. and she's like saying <laughs> <laughs> and that's his, that's his memory
0: of how he said god, it The Simpsons is such a touchstone for it me we still, we still watch it and enjoy it we still watch you know, old episodes oh Dan, oh, god, I have so much to talk about it's so weird to watch cable TV oh my god, the, the two weeks that I was gone I, I was exposed to cable TV Welcome. and it was completely mind-blowing Oh my god. Oh Nexton. Have you seen the ad for Onextin? Is that what it's called? It's the, it's the acne medicine that makes you poop. <laughs> no. It's got all these really, really cute girls and they're looking between balloons and they're getting their skin improved. And like all of those great pharmaceutical commercials, the first 10 seconds is like with Onextin, your skin will be supple and you would blah, blah, blah. And then it's like 90 seconds like you know, you and the uh and the and the read where you have to do the financial disclaimer. And then it's like 90 seconds of this will totally make you have diarrhea in many, many ways. If you've ever had diarrhea, you're gonna get more diarrhea if you take Onextin. TV man, Guy Fieri, that's a thing. Yeah, he's a he's the he goes in a kitchen, eats the people's food, and then they roll the credits. Yep, that's it. Mm. I watched I I watched enough Chopped that I saw one Chopped episode three times.
1: What are you thinking about right now with the Mr. Robot thing? I think I'm I'm my theory is more right than ever.
0: I think I'm with you, and I think I'm, I'm not, I don't know if I'm totally caught up. Mm. Oh, we also got to talk about humans. I hope you're yes. writing all the. I, I am. Oh my god, I got I got to episode what six or seven. Have you, of which one well okay, first of all, not cut up on on uh, on robot, but I think this theory is true, and I think there's probably more to it. May I restate the theory? Well, let me see if I got your theory. Yes, you should state your theory, but your your theory is that there's a mutual fight club going on, right it isn't just that oh uh so spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> yes okay so spoiler, spoiler alert, alert mr robot please skip the next three or four minutes of the show yeah let's try and be a little bit
1: vague
0: we can't be vague no it's a theory that tell me your theory
1: my my theory is uh you got well, elliot you got elliot and you got mr robot elliot and mr robot played by the still still handsome christian slater
0: he's basically doing his role from heathers again and it's delightful
1: yes it's wonderful and uh he he seems to if if you pay close attention it at first seemed that he was a real person, and then you discover that perhaps he is not a real person. That perhaps he is—he exists only in uh, the main character Elliot's mind. And he, he, and there are clues for this. For example, at first, at least, there's
0: the first line of the show. Well, yes, uh, and <laughs> I went back and watched it in a hotel room, and nice. it starts out. He says something like, "Hello, friend. Hello, friend." He says something like, "That's that's lame." I have to always remember. I'm... Um, who I'm, t- uh, you know, I'm talking to myself. Right. You're
1: not really here. Should I give you a name? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So he already has a concept that that he is speaking to us as in someone who is not really there. And, and he's questioning his own... There's all kinds of things all over the screen about like, how is it that the... the, the,
0: what's, the what's the true name of, of e, e, E-Corp? Uh, it was
1: just E-Corp, but then it becomes Evil Corp and then other and, people... And begin it starts to appearing.
0: It. People start calling it Evil Corp right, right. and it starts appearing like on the monitor and and the like, the thing is his fan, fights of fantasy start actually appearing in in, what in we his perceived
1: reality yes and so we realize early on that we are perceiving his reality as opposed to the reality uh which so anyway the theory goes that at, my theory at first was uh Mr. Robot is entirely in Elliot's mind nobody else sees him nobody else reacts to him nobody else uh interacts with him in any way then as so, it, it's
0: a straightforward one-way fight club
1: Yes. And then we begin to uh, to see something throws us off of this a little bit by saying that now there have actually been some people who have interacted with him. And the the best case I can think of is when Darlene, who uh, is amazing, by the way, uh, is um, is interacting directly and having an argument with Mr. Robot. But if you notice that during that scene, Elliot, Elliot, Elliot's not participating, he is sort of in the background standing there just staring and no one seems to look at him or interact with him, which is very much the Tyler Durden narrator dynamic that when Tyler was talking, the narrator's quiet. When narrator is talking and doing things, Tyler is is not there or quiet. And uh, and and so I still think that that it's at that moment that they they are sort of taking turns. We see them on screen as two separate Two separate physical bodies, but in in in, in it, it's always Elliot.
0: That's a really good observation. The first I I, when I I've been thinking about this, and then I'm sitting there in my hotel room, and uh, uh, Mr. Robot number one comes on, and I watched it again, and I think the first instance of this that I saw, because I mean, there's all kinds of things like on the subway, he's Mr. Robot's like kind of yelling and making a fuss, mm-hmm. and Elliot's the only one looking at him, but that's totally a New York thing. Or, or you know or wherever in a big yeah. city you don't look at crazy people Never. on public transit no, no, no. but I think I think the first instance of this is Elliot is across the street from the restaurant where the ladies uh, having dinner with the dingus yeah and Mr. Robot comes up and panhandles and like hassles some guys at a table who clearly are responding to him but that just supports your theory because at that point Elliot's not interacting he's just observing mm-hmm. so the, I, I, think you, I
1: think that theory works And, you know, when, uh, even more of a spoiler alert, when you've got Mr. Robot in the car with the other two guys while Elliot is is in uh, Stone Mountain or Iron Mountain, whatever the uh, Iron Mountain, uh, he's in there. They're listening to him. He's mic'd up. And I I vaguely remember that they gave him an earpiece so that he could hear them. Uh, But I I didn't see the earpiece in those scenes. I rewatched them. But during the, all of those scenes, Mr. Robot is speaking to uh, to Elliot. He can, I guess, he's hearing Mr. Robot, but the other two guys in the car never act as if they are hearing Mr. Robot or anything that he's saying. Hmm. Did you notice that part in that scene? No. He's, I, 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 I might have. I don't, I don't specifically. He's sitting no, there yeah. and he's talking the whole time. Elliot is hearing him, but no one else seems to be hearing him. So, uh. Uh, anyway, I'm, I, I love the show. I'm always, I'm, I, unless it's Wednesday, I'm pissed off that it's not Wednesday right now. Yeah,
0: It's a really good show. It's a good show. Um, I,
1: uh, have been deep diving into, into humans. Yes. Are you watching the UK version or the American version? What? Well, it was a UK show. That uh, that I guess AMC and BBC Fifty or one of those companies uh, made in the, you know collaboration together, and it aired in the UK first, is my understanding, and then now it's here. Um, I, I at least that's my understanding of it.
0: Everybody except for uh, Professor Hobby is uh, <laughs> English online. Yes, yes. I but the thing is, man, I I, <laughs> I, I really have liked that show since the beginning. And I guess maybe through episode three and four, still really enjoying it, but a little bit of a slow burn. But then in the last two nights, I've watched episode five and six, two nights in a row. Mm-hmm. Have you seen episode six? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I, I sobbed. Really I, I, I sat there. I mean, I had my wife, I said to my wife, you really, really should see this. Yeah. And I just sat there and I, I know the endings kind of, the ending is, is like not plausible. Like there's no reason she would stay there when the others leave. Yeah. But... Oh my God, that family stuff hits mm. hard, mm-hmm. and it it was such an interesting. This is not a this is not a huge spoiler, uh, but watch the show. Uh, but just in, in the abstract, uh, the the revelation that this relatively diverse group of AIs has a lot more going on than we realized was incredibly moving to me. Yeah, me too. And like all of a sudden, you know, and the, God, that woman who plays um, Anita, Anita, Yep. And she's so awfully good. Well, it's you know, amazing it, how much she, how much she doesn't.
1: Right, right, right. Because like when you see her sitting in the back of the car as the 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 and mother so and daughter are talking, slow dawning Ugh. like you can see
0: her face, yep. like almost imperceptibly yeah. changing before so what good. happens. So good. Uh two really really good shows, and I think they both have the John Syracuse seal of approval, which is to say that despite their, their technical inaccuracies, they're still good shows. Mm-hmm. That is that is I think that I think that might be the highest praise you can get. Yeah. Two really really good shows. Yeah. It's funny I listened to um I listen to that uh, show that uh Jason Snell does with uh Tim Goodman, the TV critic and oh, right. I I don't agree I don't well cuz you know I'm not Tim Goodman, but I don't agree with this 100%, but Tim Goodman says something that is really true and worth, you know, thinking about. Like in his racket, like he he can't even watch everything. Like they have to like parcel out who's going to watch which shows. You know, and who's going to review which shows? And there's mm. some where he's like, "There's no way I'm even going to review that." But he's like, "You know, you you get a, you get a you get an episode, you get maybe two episodes to really grab me." But like, it takes a lot to bring him back to a show that didn't have a great beginning. Why? Not because he's a jerk, but
1: because he's busy, and because there are just so many like really above average shows on TV right now. I was thinking the same thing. You know that I was re- I, It we are in a really interesting time right now from the standpoint of being able to turn on the TV several nights a week. And there is a new show. I just saw a preview for um, uh, the, the Netflix show that um, Cranston's doing from a, you know, breaking bad guy. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it's apparently that, you know, what they've, they've said and what you can see in the preview is there's, uh, there's a guy who I guess gets out of prison and then decides to adopt the identity of his cellmate out in the real world. And they, he somehow hooks up with the grandparents who are, like, doing bail bonds and stuff like that. Uh, but it, look, it looks really good, you know? Like, oh, yeah. all of these shows that are out now, like, it is a true renaissance, because for so long, everything was CSI Miami.
0: Well, yeah, and before that, uh, we were still, I mean, even after Seinfeld got not that good, mm. even after Seinfeld went off the air, so many shows were essentially a, a twist on either Seinfeld Friends or... Or some version of like everybody loves Raymond. Right. It just seems like everything was like, you know, unattractive man and hot lady in New York. And uh, I I totally agree with you. It's, did you watch the pilot for Man in the High Castle on Amazon? Um, Oh. Philip K. Dick? No, I did not. It's a good, it's a really good book. Uh, One of the few books I've read Um, where basically it's an alternate, uh, like, what if, what if Germany had won World War II? Right. And the pilot, I think, I think it's been turned into a series. But yeah, shows like that where you're just like, I just can't believe, you know what it is? I mean, let, let's just, you know, let's just say it. people are getting it now. They're really getting what you can do with TV. And when I say they are getting it, I don't mean the people who have always been great directors and screenwriters and showrunners. I mean, the people who have the money to put into that could now go like, yeah, let's take a gamble on this. This may not be a four, quad, four quadrant show. This may not be Mannix, but like it's something that everybody that like the, the, a certain group of people is going to really love intensely. Well, that's a good time. Oh That's God, a good so time to, to watch TV. Yeah. Why don't
1: you um um let's, ah, let's do, ah, why don't you talk about something you like? Let me tell you about Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. I love Casper. I I was laying on a Casper not very long ago. Today. Not I know today. That's
0: right. Because you got you stack a third them. Of my day with my Casper.
1: <laughs> I love At that. Least. Well, I have one too, and I really like these these mattresses. And this is the thing. Uh it's weird because when you go to buy a mattress. You, you go into one of these mattress stores and like you lay on it and then as you're laying there, which in and of itself is kind of gross, uh, the, you know, the guy, the sales guy will come up and he'll be like, Oh, do you like that one? If you like that one, you should really try this one over here. We're having a sale on it over here. And not only are these things super expensive, but you're somehow supposed to evaluate your mattress based on laying on it under scrutiny of a a mattress an hourly paid mattress <laughs> with overhead lighting right with the in fluorescent mall. lighting in a mall It's we- like picking your food by licking a can <laughs> <laughs>
0: this seems this seems pretty good right That picture sure is pretty
1: but who oh can, it's artisanal it's no, I'll, I'll get this <laughs> who can do that right like that seems unreasonable and then you're going to pay you know thousands of dollars for this thing it's going to show up and it's, it, you know, it's not going to be the same as this mattress, which who knows how many other people, I'm not talking about the gross factor of how many other people have laid on this thing, but who knows this, this is the mattress that's in the store has been there for months or years, you know, like that's not the same thing that's going to wind up in your house. And that's the great thing about the way Casper works is you would, you, people have said, well, you know, how, how do I know if I'm going to like it? They give you a hundred days, you get this thing and it shows up and it's, it's in your house and you can sleep on it for a hundred days. And if you don't like it, you have like a hundred days to figure that out and then you can send it back and it's free delivery and painless uh, to send it back. That, that's just how it works. It's simple. And that's that's what I would like for all of you guys to do. If you're, in, if you're in a situation where you're like, maybe this mattress I have, a friend of mine just went and got, he got like an Aeron chair and he said, how have I been sitting in a chair for this long uh, and and not known that there was this other thing out there, and that that's a couple people who I talked to who have gotten Casper mattresses were like, I thought the bed I had was good, it right. sucked. I had no idea how awful it was until I got this new one. And like, there's no risk with this, so give it a try. You're going to get fifty bucks off of any mattress purchase if uh, if you use our code, which is Back to Work, all spelled out. And they even made a special URL, Casper.com/slash Back to Work. So go there and you will get uh, $50 toward any mattress purchase. Terms and conditions apply, Merlin. So keep that in mind. I don't know what that means. I have to say it. <laughs> Casper.com slash back to work. Go check it out.
0: Thanks to Casper.com uh, for supporting 5x5 and back to work. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to say something here. They didn't tell us to say this. Mm. But when I, when, I, when I do my own ad reads for Casper, this is the part I always underscore because uh, this is the, here's, the, here's the thing yeah everything Dan said is true. It is a really, really great mattress. Here's the other part of this though and, and the trial the the, uh, the the 100 night uh you know test flight is is a great gig too um but here's the thing it's like it's, it's you can't even begin to describe how easy this company is to deal with mm. and i I have to just underscore that because th- this is a huge thing. If you've never tried to buy a mattress in a store, you're not going to know what I mean. But if you if you go through the toxic hell stew that is laying on a filthy mattress in a store while someone in a tie talks to you, like I'm just saying, it is so easy to deal with. You go, you you hit a couple buttons, and then a box arrives at your door, and and you can carry that box by yourself up to your room. It's it's anyway. That's all. I just want to say that, just and saying. I am I'm, I'm very grateful. It it, it, uh, it seemed weird to me when a mattress company started advertising on podcasts, but I'm incredibly grateful. Uh, not just for for their support, but also for their support. <laughs> mm-hmm. Good. Cut that out. Well,
1: I mean, this They're whole good, segment, good won't mattress. Flow in air. <clears throat>
0: this will never go out. Man on the high castle.
1: But uh, so go watch Mister Robot. Go watch humans. And I, I I love I love these shows. I don't like I don't even like TV. And I love these shows. I also have
0: another recommendation. I I feel like I. Must have mentioned this show on the show, but maybe I haven't. I Maybe it was on the After Dark. But have we talked about Conversation Parade?
1: Conversation Parade. No, Conversation I don't Parade think
0: so. is a new podcast from John Moe and Open Mike Eagle. And it is a <laughs> really, it's not a great, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a rapper, uh, a hip hop guy, and he's so freaking funny. When I Google uh,
1: Conversation Parade, it says Conversation Parade Infinite Guest, Conversation Parade Adventure Time Wiki.
0: Yeah, it's the uh, Infinite Guest. Okay. Conversation Parade uh, is an Adventure Time podcast, a weekly podcast, wow. and it is really, really good. It's got a little, it's got a, uh, it's got a structure to it that I like a lot. Each week, Mike and John bring in a topic, a short topic to talk about. That could be something like um, the the fascism of uh, Princess Bubblegum. It could be something about you know the nature of evil and uh, the Ice King. Um, but it's great. they each bring in a topic they both have super deep catalog on the show and then improbably they one of them interviews someone from the show and that <clears throat> excuse me that has included uh, John Dimaggio. oh you have you must have mentioned this now this is ringing a bell. yeah yeah, they talked to Jake, they talked to Finn, they've talked to the new showrunner. Uh, they talked to Bubblegum. They talked to Flame Princess, the voice of Flame Princess. Anyway, it's if you like Adventure Time, um, check it out. It's a really, really good show. And I'm really, I find myself increasingly looking forward to Wednesdays. A lot of shows I really like a lot seem to be coming out on Wednesdays. And uh, I, I really look forward to Conversation Parade. I think Conversation Parade is the name of an extremely boring BMO game. <laughs> I think it's a game on BMO where it's like, it's sort of like my dinner with Andre. We'll mix up with BMO. All right. <laughs> unlike a, your game boy my daughter watched uh too young this morning
1: <laughs> oh that's that's one of my favorites all of my all-time favorites. well
0: that's that was my introduction to the show was your 404 page used to be a picture of lemon grab looking at the you smell like dog buns line. yes and I was like, what what is this what is this lemon thing what what is what's is wrong with you mm-hmm. and it's it's still one of i my remember talking favorites. to you
1: about the show and you're like well, uh, and then you watch it and you were you were in it, it just
0: seemed inscrutable. And, you know, and, you know, anyway, <laughs> we've, we've
1: talked a lot about Adventure Time, but it's,
0: it's so rich and you get episodes. I don't know. Like, you just get these, this last season, there's been a handful of like incredibly, you know, deep episodes. And anyway, so, uh, Conversation Parade. Uh, it's really good. John Moe, open Mike Eagle. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. Um, I think that's all I had for recommendations. We do have topics, it sounds like. Uh, and we got a little bit of follow up. Uh, can I just mention a couple quick bits of uh, feedback from people? Yeah. Uh, first, uh, listener, uh, well, thank you. Listener Yuri says, uh, contrary to popular belief, you can't turn on electricity on uh, Sabbath because it's technically building. Did you know that? Yes, yeah, so you are building a circuit. You're building a circuit. I thought that was super interesting. See that's a system you just want to find loopholes with. Mm-hmm. That seems like that seems like such a gotcha.
1: I think, I, but I think the the spirit of the Sabbath is to not try to find the loopholes. Ooh, uh, you want to make sure you honor the spirit of the challenge, right? That 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 if you look at it as like this is a rule, and like we can get all technical, and we can get the Shabbos lamp and everything else, and a lot of people wrote in to me saying, you know, that we, we I have a, a special, there's a special fridge that we have and all these other things. Like, I, that's not the spirit. The spirit isn't sort of the outwit, outplay, outlast philosophy. Well, it's kind of like
0: going to a Halloween party, a costume party and going, "Yeah, I came as myself. Right. Shut up. Yeah. That doesn't count. And don't have a Halloween party on a Friday night. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say about that. Why? Well, you know, Oh, isn't that isn't that when the uh, you got the stars in the sky and uh, don't know if it's cloudy or bright? I only have shoppers for you. Is that when it starts? Friday night? <laughs> yes. Um, Anonymous wrote a nice note. It's really long, but I just like what this what this person said. This uh, she started listening to the episodes from the beginning and is up through like something like nineteen or something like that. Mm-hmm. I just like what she said. She said um, when you're referencing, she was talking about how like we mentioned at that time how people who aren't giant tech nerds wouldn't be into the show because it'll be inscrutable. Mm. That was really nice, she said. But here's the thing: when you're referencing programs, it's almost to make always to make a point. So when you say Rails or Pearl or what have you, I simply find a w- re- way to relate it to something I do know about. I thought that was really good. That's uh, I do that a lot. I mean, when I listen to stuff, that I, there's a lot of stuff I listen to where I don't totally understand it, but I can kind of listen phonetically to, mm-hmm. to what mm-hmm. the point that people are making beyond what it is I actually do or don't understand. Yeah. And I also just wanted to say to listener anonymous, thank you for that nice note. My almost topic, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defer this unless you run out of steam on your topic. No, I got a couple. Okay, listener Alex wrote a nice thing. Um, Said, so dear, dear Dan, this is just to you. Forgive my reading your mail. Mm-hmm. Um, your uh, about, quote unquote, rebooting yourself was really interesting. I too have the Australian habit of stating, she'll be right, mate. She'll be right, mate. Convincingly, <laughs> in the absence of any evidence. How do you go about rebooting yourself? This has been covered in a previous episode. I apologize. I, I, I guess we could maybe table that because I, I think it is the idea of rebooting yourself is fascinating to me. And I went and I read up on um, "she'll be right" as a, as an Australian phrase, and it's you know it's kind of one of those like it's all good kind of things where it's it kind of I think has a somewhat disparaging feeling among some people of like well you're not really being taking the problem seriously. But I, I mentioned here because I was I um, I've heard Kelly Sue DeConnick say something. And I actually asked her about it on Twitter this morning to clarify. it. She has a phrase I like a lot. Uh, and I I, I thought of it as something that you would say to yourself, but she uses it as a way to kind of like inspire other people. And that phrase is, you got this. Somebody's like, ah, you know, they're freaking out. Like, I don't know if I... You, I you if got I could, this. No, you got, you got, this. You you got, got, got this. this. You got this. You got this. You got this. And I asked this. her about it. And uh, where was her response? She said, I said, you know, so is that is that something you say to yourself? Is it something you say to pump up other people? Uh, she says, <laughs> it seems to be helpful when I say it to other people and it's my sincere confidence in them and a little bit of tough love which I think you can give to other people as well as yourself you know, it's a nicer version in some ways of buck up, like you can do this you got this, I just like that, I don't know I think that's something we should talk about at some time. sometime like how, how self-talk or, or talk with others, it, it doesn't just have to be happy talk, it can be a reminder that you have capabilities that you might just temporarily not have access to
1: uh, John was saying something, I think it was last week where he was, he was talking, we were talking about, uh, you know, building bridges and things like that. And he, you know, how, how some of these structures or bridges or buildings, you know, to by today's standards kind of look, they, they look terrible in some ways, but like at the time the people thought that they were, you know, they were building something amazing, you know, and And he said something, you know. He's like, people don't wake up in the morning and say, "I'm a terrible person, and I want to build something awful." You know, like (laughs) everything that exists in the world, for the most part. I mean, I don't want to say everything because there there are people who probably somebody thought it was a good idea. Yeah, but like somebody thought it was a good idea. Somebody looked at the design of the thing that you're using and this was the best that they could do or they thought you know they, this they thought it was a really really great idea and most of the things that are around us that we look at and we're like man that is an eyesore or that that you know that that the way that you adjust the height of this standing desk is great and this other standing desk is terrible like everyone thought it was really good you know these these websites that we use for the most part that we can complain all day about how badly they work or why they look terrible on our phones Like somebody really thought this was a good idea and worked hard at it to try to make it work. And, you know, and like it, maybe it didn't last or it was a bad idea, but they didn't, we didn't know that at the time. So like questioning ourselves and thinking this thing that we are making right now, we're working really hard on and we, we, we don't wake up thinking we're terrible people. We wake up thinking we're great people or, or trying to be great people working hard on something that, Right now seems like a pretty good idea. And I think that's like yeah. every day.
0: Yeah, yeah. And to that point, also, you in talking to him, you got him to say something really interesting I'd never heard him say in this particular way, which is, you know, you think about like how the sidewalk outside your house is broken and all you really care about is getting your sidewalk fixed. Yeah. But you also have to think about like what that sidewalk means to everybody. <laughs> right. It's more than just a sidewalk, not least because someday that sidewalk, sidewalk will be replaced for some by right, something. Right. So how do you start thinking about, how do we get better about thinking about, you know, what needs to change in the future? Like what will come after that sidewalk and how do we make that easier rather than just pouring a bunch of concrete? And like the last thing, just one more, well, as long as I'm blowing smoke up his skirt. I love the, his distinction between, um, oh, what was the phrase he used? Um, places versus... Um. Oh shoot! What was the phrase? In talking about like. Oh
1: yeah. Um, See now I've forgotten it too. I can't. Believe I, I even had homes. it in my notes. That's all right. We'll edit this part out. <laughs> That's okay. But
0: um, he says you know the problem is we go out and we build these 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 buildings or these homes for people and you know they're just these things. I'm missing the great distinction he made. But he said instead we want to build places. We want to build places that right. people want to go. Right. Instead of just these you know locations. We'll we'll get it next time. Yeah, we'll get it. Anyway, vote Roderick.
1: Tell me your topic. Well, I got, I have a few. Mm. One fits into the life hacking category, which is about contacts and contact management on, on a computer and a device. And there's, there's an interesting story going into that. Mm, Or at least I I dub it interesting. Uh, I want to tell you about this podcast thing that I did. (laughs) I have a question for you about speaking. I listened to a lot of Marcy over the weekend and that's it.
0: Okay. Well, start anywhere. Is the contact thing pretty quick?
1: Uh, I think it. I think it is, but it opens up what might potentially be a Pandora's uh, can of worms. Okay,
0: well, I want to make sure Pandora gets her worms out. I, yeah. I, do you want to do the the do the podcast thing first, or is that likely to go
1: along? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, we can we can do that, and that and that leads me into the speaking thing because I know yeah. that when when you go away from the show, it's sometimes it's for a family vacation, but more often than not, it's because you have a an engagement of some kind sometimes, that in, yeah. involves you speaking or help helping people and i remember one time you had used the phrase there's a talk i do there's a talk i do which in in a very sort of aristotle way there is a talk right and you give this talk and it's like a talk that you've made right you created this thing it's, it's
0: somewhat repurposable.
1: Yes. And so I'm sure that the talk exists and in very much the way that a, a book exists and you might come out with a, a revision of and it. It's not a, finished. A, a, yes. A second version, a third version, a fourth version you're making. And so you update it and you say, you know, that, that joke I used to make in uh, uh, this one part of the talk isn't, would be funnier if i you know, I updated it. So you update it or this, this point I've learned something else about it. you're updating it, but it's still like a, a contained thing and it's like people can hire you to give this kind of a talk the way that you could hire a chef to cook uh her famous uh flank steak right oh yeah that's a good way to put it so it's it's a thing that you can do and that maybe only you can do in in the special way that you do it and that that to me is very interesting because I think that the way that the way that people at least in me and my experience is like I'm – so like I gave a talk at this podcast uh, movement uh, conference. It was a talk I had never given before, and I doubt I will ever give it again because it was like a thing that like this is the topic. I'm going to this particular conference to speak about this particular thing, which is very sort of – I don't want to say time-sensitive, but it's like a very this is what's going on right now kind of a talk. I don't anticipate ever giving it again, and I realized I've – probably because – uh, the, the stuff I'm talking about fits into that kind of a category. It's about software development. It's about podcasting in 2015 or whatever. I don't really have like a talk that I can do and perfect and and and, and create. And like your talks make people cry, including me. And I've never, I don't think made on purpose anyone cry from a talk <laughs> that I gave and I, I kind of wanted to like learn a, about that from you. I don't this kind of an amorphous topic, but whenever no, I, think, I I think
0: it's actually really interesting and I, I do have thoughts on that. That's I would, a would good, love good to topic. I would
1: love to hear about it because like my talk was like I'm going to go and talk about podcasting in 2015 about like what's the future of it and our, how our sponsors and about how does Patreon fit into it and 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 what are you podcasting for and what is your goal and, and is there a, you know how should we be doing it? Like I don't think I'll ever give that talk again. And like, certainly the, the talk I gave at RailsConf like nine years ago or a seven years ago is, is certainly not relevant today, but you're giving talks that are very different from that. I would love to hear about that because as I've been focusing on, like, I got to go and talk in front of people, I always think about the talks that you've given. And like, that seems so different to me.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, it depends a lot on the circumstances of the talk. I mean, the one reason I can and do do that is that uh, often if somebody's bringing me in to talk at a conference or a company or something like that, there will be people there, I hope, a couple people there who who are familiar somewhat with what I've done. But I mean, I've, I it, the vast, 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 vast majority don't know who I am. Um, and so... That is useful in a way because, like for example, the person, the host, the person who like invited me there and made it happen, there are certain things that they've heard me say, and heard me say again, and heard me say a different way. And God willing, they're not they're not only not sick of hearing that; they think it's something that they need to hear. They think it's something that others need to hear, and they enjoy hearing it. Yeah, I mean, like like you know, like a comedian will have certain bits. And so, I one thing I have that's a benefit for me is there are certain kinds of stories or anecdotes or points. But like fairly specific units of talk that I can can and do reuse and adapt. Right. So, for example, the, the story about the vice president with 27 priorities right. is a story that I reuse a lot. Why? Because I think it's good, I think it's funny, but I think it also really illustrates something that we all have seen and sometimes felt and sometimes done. So, for, there's that. Explaining what is it that makes an inbox difficult? You know, that it contains, you know, unknown things, uh, und- undefined things, and incomplete things, and that makes you crazy. Or, just, there's all kinds of like little anecdotes and doctor Philisms that I can can reuse, mm-hmm. but uh, I mean, I, I I don't do as many talks as I'd like to as I used to. I'd like to do more. You guys should hire me. I'm 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 good and fun, and I'll have a drink with you after the talk. Uh, but if I did more of them, I would, you know, i had have more of a rhythm. So I still kind of feel like I have to like you. I guess I feel like I'm inventing the wheel each time. But there how long? But
1: how you 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 at least have something to base it off of, so that like if you know you're giving a talk, I'm very curious. Uh, Not to interrupt your train of thought now, but what your process is that gets you from, I've got to talk in two months to I've got to talk in one month to I've got to talk in a week to a day. Like, do you have a a routine that you get into? Are you rehearsing the talk? Are you, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Or is it simply, I've given this one. Eight times before I've got my deck, I'm ready to walk up there and, and, and do this, or are you still rehearsing? Are you still practicing? Are you still going, going through all of that? Because there was one time I told you the last time I talked somewhere, was at, it was at Startup Riot. And I was talking to you about some slides. You're like, you should kind of have all this figured out a few months in advance. You know what I mean? And and I didn't. And I think the talk still went well, but ever since then, I've, I've heard that in my own mind 50 times. Well,
0: I, I would say there's several things that you should not get my advice on because I'm terrible at it. And that includes things like, like this last talk I did, I just skipped slides for one of the reasons I, I mean, the main reason for me to skip slides is I like that I can just have the room be whatever I want it to be in the moment. Mm. It drives people crazy to not see slides, but I think slides, unless you're really good at them, can be a terrible hindrance. Just because everybody else does, it doesn't mean you like have to go do slides. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I think, you know, cause the thing is they're there to see you talk and be entertaining. And, um, without going too much, we have that whole episode we did about presentations. Yeah. But I guess what I would say is here's what I, here's what I will give advice on that I think is important is to communicate early. Um, and if not often, at least multiple times with, who I will call the host, whoever the person is that's your contact and the, the you know driving force behind it happening, there will be at least one to three calls usually with that person and some other people, you maybe their boss, maybe somebody else from the team that take those calls because they are really, really good for at least a couple of reasons. One is you can say to people, well, here's what I was thinking about talking about. How do y'all feel about that? Or like, you know, here's, here's like a, basically not in bullets, but like, here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say that, uh, you know, we all feel kind of overwhelmed and distracted by things like email, even as we know we have to do it. We uh, often feel a lot of secret shame and guilt about email, and the fact that we kind of don't want people to know how not kept up with everything we are. But you know, the truth is that email is kind of like rain. So solving email is like solving rain. And then I'll have some solutions for being able to tell you ways I think you can get better at it. What do y'all think? And in the case of like this latest one, my host said, oh, you know, that email is like rain thing. I really like that. And I go, okay, noted. Like, right. so, so that's something that when, when I say that, that will or say something like that. That will please the host. Uh, you'll hear what other people have to say. Going, oh, may, maybe one person goes. You know, I don't really understand this whole problem with emails. thing. I send tons of email. Like, what's the problem? Good to know. Th- good to know that 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 there is a person even in that smaller group who might not be super into what you have to say. Does that change what you have to say? No. It's good to know because if that person's in leadership, there's probably people suffering under their iron thumb. So those conversations are super duper important. I, I wish I were better at implementing. I would look to other people for implementation. But what I would say is like, you know, there's still something to be said for that whole beyond bullet points idea. Right. Of like trying to capture the audience by, and I, and I will frequently do stuff that is incredibly thin, you know, it's practically like, you know, doing jokes at a plumber's convention. I will ask stuff like, you know, what are the kinds of things that people have lots of problems with? Like, what are some things that everybody's struggling with right now? Um, So that I can make something, make a relevant point. You know, like I can take one of my points I've made in other places and, and make it very pointed and putting it right into the lives of the people in that room. Right. And then I can, I'm also at that point in a position to say, like I've been up here talking for 10 minutes. Have you, do you have you, has anybody here, had the feeling that they really wish they could go and check their email right now. Right? Is that buzzing? How how are you feeling right now about that persistent buzzing in your pocket? And that puts it right back in the room. So um, as far as the preparing, I don't know, I, I think slides, slides are a whole different topic, but you see so many, sometimes you see great slides, but sometimes if the slides are too great, you end up just watching the slides. Mm-hmm. If the slides aren't great, they're distracting. And in any case, the slides are always, I think it's very difficult for any but the very most savvy speaker to have the slides serve them because it really feels like they are there to, as you say, talk to the slides, that they are there to basically be a narrator for some graphics on a screen. And if you want to do that, then you need to have outstanding graphics that you just rehearse so, so well so that it doesn't feel like a slideshow. I mean, slideshow, that's a term from the 60s. Like, it's not really that. It's a multimedia performance. Okay, maybe you want to introduce some video. Maybe you want to do some stuff with motion uh, graphics that would have been impossible in the 1960s. But but what you really need to want to say beyond bullet points, it's a, a pretty used to be a pretty good book. It basically says you have to like put everybody in that room in the position of being the subject of a story. And it's a it's a story. It's a classic Aristotelian kind of model. Like here's a story about some people who are facing a challenge right now. And if that here's the stakes of that challenge. If that challenge is not met and vanquished, these are the stakes. And so how what what you know what brought us to this point like the whys and the hows, three big whys and or hows that you can then expand on and then show how there's some kind of an idea or a thought technology that's going to help you improve that and then you pull it back together. I mean, really, really flimsy, just outline idea of like, just facts don't help people. Just opinions don't help people. Just advice don't help people. You have to cannily combine those so that it really feels like something. I mean, to me, the most important part is the emotional connection. If people feel the emotion that you're hoping that they will feel, then they will be more receptive to whatever your message is. Boy, that was really scattered.
1: No, I I think it's valuable. The The thing that kind of, as I listen to you describe that, is... I guess the challenge also is coming up with when you say slides and like having multimedia and having slides serve you, I think there are still like right now, as far as most of the talks that I see, they're either this one word slide, you know, where it's like Like the the new, the new kind of slides, slides, which is just the word you'll have the word like stop question mark. And like, that's the slide or, you know, it's, it's a, A More of a slide like you'd see at an Apple event where there's a bunch of things and they kind of move in and move out a little bit. And when there's a chart, it kind of expands and grows. But I think so much of that has to do with the kind of information that you're presenting. Like there's people whose job it is, is to get up and... We're going to talk about like our quarterly results now. And we have some really neat charts and graphics and stuff to show you. And then there's the other talk where somebody is going to be up there for 45 minutes and they've got six slides, which just have one word on them. And then there's other talks where people will have pictures and photos and like the talk that I did that was the best talk, I think because of how well it was received was like a RailsConf talk that had a lot of images that had a lot of pictures, had a lot of like photos and looking back on it, I don't have the slides anymore, but looking back on it, I'm like, oh, that was terrible. Like that. I would never do that that way now. But at the time it was so well received and some of the slides got laughs and applause and other things. And like, it was like really good. And people came up to me after and said, well, that was great. And I actually didn't put very much time into it. Like I did a lot of it in the hotel before the talk, right? but it, it just, for some reason it worked out well. And it was pretty well rehearsed. It was, yes, I rehearsed it a lot. uh, Many, many, many times. That helps a lot.
0: That helps so much. How much
1: are you rehearsing? Um, not as much as
0: I should, but it's also a difference in in approach. I mean, first of all, let me just clarify, like, the fact that I really prefer not to use slides is weird. It's, it makes me seem like somebody from the hill country. It's very odd because a talk means slides, and I'm pushing back against that because, as we discussed in that episode from a while back, maybe we can find it for notes. Mm-hmm. You know, I we did actually did think, two episodes about presentations, and one of them was about how not about bad presentations, but the culture of bad presentations. And the culture of present bad presentations is just my own notion that one reason we see so many crappy slideshows is because that room is set up for a crappy slideshow. And when a room is set up for a crappy slideshow, what you're probably going to get mostly is crappy slideshows. Those are not set up to be a performance space that lets somebody fill that room with, with personality and energy. It's a way of saying, well, what we generally do is we get a PowerPoint deck, you know, in this format with the standard fonts. We put it in this big pile. And then you're, you're kind of slave to the slides. Um, so that, I just for myself, I just want to clarify, I'm a weirdo. I'm pushing back against that. What I will say, if you are doing a talk, and uh, as is the case 95% of the time, you need slides, it takes a very kind of iterative and integrative process. So what I would say don't do, don't write an essay. And then cut it into sections. <laughs> like, I, you could do that to start, but what I would be very careful, because a lot of times people want to write something. The, the early John Gruber talks were sometimes kind of funny, because basically he would just write something and read it. And that's an impulse of a lot of early new presenters is to, like, I'm going to write this essay that's really good in a slightly more casual tone than usual, and then I'm going to basically take scissors and cut that into sections, and those become the slides. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other approach, once you say, oh, I got to get slides, I got to get slides, is to just make tons of slides without actually like practicing them or saying them. Like basically, so then what happens? Then you become like everybody where you walk into a room, the lights go down, the slides come up and it's basically a Yakov Smirnoff thing where now the slides are doing you. Like you're not really, you're there because the slides are the canonical version of the talk. You just happen to be the meat bag that's in the room at the time. And th- th- what I would say is like, try to avoid that by realizing that it is a performance and that the slides have a role in that performance in the same way as a play where, you know, where the lighting and the stagecraft and the production design all affect, you know, what, what do you want that play to be like? Like every staging of death of a salesman is going to be different because of all those decisions. Um, so, uh, I the but the rehearsal, I mean, I, I don't give advice on this because I'm terrible at it, but the rehearsa, rehearsal part is really important. My only tip on rehearsing, especially if you have a short schedule, is don't always start at the beginning. Um, uh, be really clear what you're going to say, just for your own confidence. Whenever you're about, you know that when you go up there, within the first minute, the following things will have happened, and you establish what those are. Like, I want to get a laugh. I want to establish some kind of bona fide. I want to make a connection, you know. That the time you have goes by so fast. So what I would say is when you rehearse, you know you might start out rehearsing in the beginning because that will tell you a lot about what you want to say in the rest of the talk when you know, but also, especially day before day of start rehearsing, beginning with the last third or the last quarter of your talk, going cold, turn oh flip on that slide and just start doing the talk from that point. Because the ends of talks tend to be the most under-rehearsed parts because people want to start at the beginning and do it all the way through. Oh, and if wow. they get interrupted or Top Chef comes on, like they're not <laughs> going to make it to the last third. They might have done the beginning. Right? They might have spent five hours practicing the first five minutes and basically only done the ending once or twice. So if, if you are going to, especially if you're going to have slides, get comfortable with that. And, well, there's so much to say about this. But as far as you and like, you know, I I would say start thinking about the, the the really killer points and anecdotes and stuff that that are perennial and evergreen. Like, if there's a certain kind of point about Rails development that is probably likely to always be true, and that's one of your tentpole points. You could include that in every talk and find ways to update I right. mean like you go back and watch that inbox zero talk I did at Google and like there's a there's a joke about MySpace in it. <laughs> like I you can just insert Facebook for that now. But right. at that time we never in a million years would have imagined MySpace wouldn't be popular. It was it was a juggernaut.
1: Right. Oh, there was just a movie where somebody said something like, Ah, oh, on your MySpace page and I was like, Wow, that's that's funny. Yeah. You know It seems pretty quaint. Yeah. yeah. But no, I think you could
0: find, I would think about one thing, one thing I do when I'm getting ready to do a talk sometimes is, you know, I'm a big fan of post-it notes and I'll stand there in the kitchen and I'll write down the units of my talk. Like, here's the anecdote about this. Here is the, you know, priorities are like arms. Here is, you know, uh, in this case, an anecdote about, uh, you know, a health thing that happened to my family almost exactly a year ago. There's that unit, which is going to have some subunits in it. And if I if I start with the stuff that I want to say in terms of anecdotes, uh, that helps a lot because the points come out of those. Those are to illustrate some kind of point. If I make you feel the way I felt a year ago when we had a very serious health thing in my family, mm. you're going to get the point about priority even though you don't know who was sick in my family exactly. Like with, um, I've been being vague here because you know whatever but like if i tell you that story you've had that experience you've had the experience of someone in your family suddenly getting super sick yeah. or somebody dying and like that is that that is a feeling of a priority that is so difficult to manufacture and like you have so much you're so unhappy but you have so much clarity like you would never feel bad about saying i can't do this because you got this other thing you got to do and you feel no guilt about it so you see where i'm going with this yep. so i i don't that to me having those units helps a lot and then you figure out the arrangement of the, those units how much time you've got but you know i guess if there's any one overriding piece of advice for whether it's about slides or the writing or the practicing or the anything don't be it's one thing to be top down in thinking about the outline of the and the overall structure but i would not be too procedural about always feeling like you have to write the beginning and then the middle and the end and then you have to always rehearse the beginning and the middle and the end like spend lots of time on your on the parts that are a big banger and then work on your transitions and it should go really well for you
1: see i guess that's a different way of approaching it and i remember when i learned uh that the people who are who are who are writing books they don't always like sit down and Write page one and end on page three hundred and fifty. You know, a lot of like,
0: times people won't start writing anything until they realize they don't have to write the beginning, and they'll <laughs> do better if they start with the thing they're most ex- the hottest topic is the thing that's, that's going to so get you writing. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 yeah. That's a huge pro tip. And talk uh, should talk
1: should be no different. Talks should
0: be no different. Yeah, I guess I just feel like, you know, there's, it's such a thing. Like you give a talk, you do slides, you give a presentation. And like right around the times I start to most feel that that's not really just a cliche thing anymore. I see something that just makes my eyes bug out because nobody, nobody wants to be unprofessional. Nobody wants to look like a douche, but there is also this conservative attitude about those that doesn't capture the performance that I think it can be. Like not everybody should go up and try to perform. Like if you're if you're one of 10 people from different business units talking about Q3, like you can't go up there and do bits. That's not gonna fly. Yeah. Your slides have to look like everybody else's. Your structure has to be like everybody else's. You have to be ready to answer questions. And you can't just go up there and and do your mom jokes or something like that. But but remember that like people in that room like are just ready to just pass out. They're just ready to just go to sleep. Like, what do you do to get some energy in that room? Hopefully not by being a douche, but by getting people to feel like you're talking about something that's relevant to them. Yeah. And so if you can find a way to tease out a giant problem or challenge that they didn't realize they had, you're way ahead of the game. Man. So my goal in this last talk was go into a bunch of food safety professionals mm-hmm. and make them feel hopeless and scared. Because <laughs> if I can make <laughs> if I can take away your hope and your confidence <laughs> and make you scared, if, if I will only fail if you leave here still feeling like you can get by with what you're doing. Wow! I want you to be so terrified about how problematic this world is that you will give up on the hopeless parts that you can't do anything about and focus heavily on a handful of things that make a huge difference. Man.
1: Should I tell me about something you liked? I'll tell you about Wealthfront, the automated investment service that makes it easy to invest your money the right way. A really cool service. You know, this is something when you talk about when you think about investments and stuff. We've had websites for a long time. That let us sort of go in and, and check on our investments. You know, whether you're investing in like an IRA, a mutual fund, a four hundred one k, whatever it is. There's always a website you could go to, and you could say like, "How's my stuff doing?" But that's kind of where it, it stopped. Like, it, it, you, you might say, oh, I don't think it's doing as well as it should. So, like, I'll go and research funds and try and figure stuff out myself. And some guy that I met on a street corner said I should put everything in triple Q. What What is that? I need to figure out what that is. Well, that – you know, that's not like the best way to manage your investments. Another way to do it would be to go to the financial planner and pay them a lot of money and they might pick and choose some things for you that that would be good better than maybe you on your own because there's no time to do it. and then they're gonna you know they're gonna charge you a lot for that kind of service and it's still a hit or miss kind of a thing. Or the worst case is scenario number three, like you're not doing anything at all. You're not checking on it yourself. Nobody's really managing it for you. And you're kind of missing out on what might make a big difference in like 30 years or 20 or 10 when you want to retire. Well, this is where Wealthfront can help. They took a, a ton of uh, time to build something that was really, really smart about managing your investments for you. They put this together. Not just like a, a coder, you know, in his sweatpants putting this together. No, they they had uh, some really, really smart folks doing this. People from from Wall Street, people from Silicon Valley who understand how to code it, uh, an investment research team with seven PhDs from like Harvard and Princeton and Yale. They got all these folks together and built a system that's really smart about the way that it manages your investment. And now they're managing. They've grown like over 20 times in the last two years. They have more than $2 billion in client assets that they manage. And uh, they put something together for five by five listeners. You can get your first ten thousand dollars managed for free, which is a big deal. If you go to wealthfront.com slash five by five. Now they only charge you point two five percent per year. That's less than one quarter of the cost of a traditional investment advisor anyway. But uh, your first ten thousand is going to be free at wealthfront.com slash five by five. Support this show and support yourself and, and, and start, uh, start saving and making some more money. And there's a disclaimer I must read. Wealthfront Inc. is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are offered through Wealthfront Brokerage Corporation, member FINRA and SIPC. This is not a solicitation to buy or sell securities. Investing in securities involves risks, and there is a possibility of losing money. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Please visit Wealthfront.com to read the full disclosure, and we do appreciate their support of this show. Very cool service, Wealthfront.com slash 5 by 5
0: Coder in his sweatpants, I know,
1: I know, it's serious. There is a, in his sweatpants. a large category of music that I would call Morrissey, but that's bigger than just Morrissey. Okay, i listening. The Smiths, which is your... I found that I know Morrissey more from Morrissey than from uh, the Smiths.
0: Right. I, I know a handful of singles from Morrissey, but... The Smiths are one of my all-time favorite bands that I you just listened to compulsively for 15 years. <laughs>
1: uh, it's funny because I never really listened to the Smiths.
0: It, oh, it, man. I you know. missed out on
1: Johnny Marr. That well, guy's guitar is crazy. Well, I my introduction to Marcy was through a girlfriend, a college girlfriend, who was really into the Smiths. And then Marcy at the time, like Bona Drag, I think was the... Uh,
0: right, right was like he was already in his solo career. Yes, yeah.
1: that was the I have to look this up to make sure I've got the the, the time period right. Uh but like f- yes, there there's it's, it's coming up now. Bonadrag
0: or maybe Viva Hate? Viva Hate.
1: Yes, because okay, well Bonadrag was 90. Okay, so yes, this would be this would be the right time period, early college that of you know how like it's in 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 college you kind of have a well this is the soundtrack of that particular time period or relationship mm-hmm. time period or something so like that was that one and i kind of got exposed to that genre of music which kind of took me farther away from the led zeppelin you know kind of like guns and roses stuff that i had police sort of heavy iron maiden stuff i'd been listening to <laughs> right. and kind of exposed me to What's this song? The Pixies. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that kind of opened that door for me and exposed me to a lot of great music that I'd never heard of before. But like uh, my entry point (laughs) for Morrissey was Morrissey and not the Smiths. Is that weird? No, not at all. I mean,
0: it's just funny for me. Like it's easy for, for me to forget that I was listening to that music over 25, almost 30 years ago. Right. And so for me, when I say Morrissey, everybody knows I also mean the rest of the Smiths. Of course. Because you know it would be like saying, "I don't know, I mean, I guess Paul McCartney's not a good example, but you know sting in the police, be, sting in the police, oh, yeah, I mean, my feelings about sting have been all over the map over yeah. the years, but you know, uh, the police to me are like a, just an unimpeachably great band, yes, I don't love, 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 their last album, but pretty much everything before that is just classic, so great, yeah, yeah, but yeah no i i I guess i I get why you're saying what you're saying, it totally makes sense, yeah." I mean, there's, I mean, that was always the joke, you know, the joke, the joke in the late seventies was, you mean Paul McCartney was in a band before Wings? Like, <laughs> ha. but you know, uh, and so, yeah, I totally get that because I forget how successful his solo career was. I didn't follow it. I would see it on 120 minutes or something, see his stuff, but I was way more into like a mostly American indie rock then.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, but it's, it, I realize that I also don't know just by hearing it unless it's really early stuff which is the smiths and which is just mars oh you're mars. kidding no
0: oh my gosh there i know i am not no, no, I'm not I'm, admitting not, ch- this I'm not chiding you. you at all i'm just saying <laughs> like you know going and listening to something like the first uh the, the album called the smiths or uh, hatful of hollow are are two that are just just wall to wall with classics so interesting yeah
1: but, like, the police, like, I could tell you exact. I could tell the album. I could probably tell you the year. And I could absolutely tell you that it's not Sting. It's the police. You know what I mean? Like, and that's just a built in. But on the, so on the way, on the drive back from this, this uh, podcast conference, uh, which I would like to talk to you about, it uh, pretty much, I just listened mostly to, uh, to Smith and Marcy. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, you know pretty weird out there stuff. I mean, at the time it was very, I weird. can't like to me now you've ruined it for me though, because now it's just you doing, Oh uh, God, like, Morrissey the whole way. I felt like I was hanging out with you, with your, you and your guitar and you're saying, and, and like, tr- <laughs> it's, it's I, now I've lot when I like, <laughs> you know, if I were to tell you like, try and remember the face of someone that you met <laughs> 10 years ago at a bar you know, and like I, I say, their name, and you can't picture their face. I can no longer picture Marcy. I only see oh, you no. now. Well, with, the, the, with the Marcy hair, Morrissey's
0: got the thing is Morrissey's got Morrissey. Uh, I mean, Johnny Marr was such a huge part of this. <laughs> like, all four of the guys very important to the sound. But like you know, you know, part of it was also just that Morrissey's lyrics were were so strange, and so so wonderfully. Uh, Alternately romantic and gay, and really, but romantic in the sense of like you know, he's his biggest uh, influence is Oscar Wilde, and he loves that kind of cleverness and and turn of phrase. (laughs) Just like hand in glove, the sun shines out of our behinds. No, it's not like any other love. This one's different because it's us. There's certain kind of tropes. And then it ends with, but I know my luck too well. Yes, I know my luck too well. I'll probably never see you again. I'll probably never see you again. I'll probably never see you again. (laughs) It's it's so like heartrending and funny and like self aware and self effacing and you know. Anyway. That was the eighties. It was a good time. And go look for some old performances. Look for performances of them circa 1983. He's rail thin. He's got this shirt hanging off him. He's gorgeous. He's got this crazy Elvis <laughs> Pompadour. He's, he's throwing flowers at the audience. <laughs> the audience is throwing flowers at him. He's heavily sexualized. And then at one point, I think this, I don't know if this is the exact true story, but one of the biggest fans of the Smiths uh, were a very obvious hearing aid. I think it was a young girl who was was like nearly deaf, and she wore this old fashioned looking hearing aid where like it was like a giant hearing aid in her ear on a wire to a little box. So right. Morrissey started wearing a hearing aid oh, on stage God. as a tribute to her. And <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> he looked, but he looked so cool. He was so cool, and the band was just ah oh, so good. Anyway, Smiths are a good band from the eighties. You should check them out. Yeah. So my my pick on that, I would say, I mean, you know, you could always go out and buy like a greatest hits, but the first Smith's album is like such a statement of purpose, but you know, they got kind of the Beatles problem where the releases in the UK versus the US are so different and so weird. Like if you tried to understand the Beatles by listening to their American releases, it doesn't make nearly as much sense as if you listen to the, you know, the, the capital releases don't hold a candle to the originals. Mm. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think half Full of hollow still stands up really well for slightly later stuff. Louder than bombs is a nice Louder than collection. Bombs, yeah. Louder than bombs has it's, you know, it's, it's got, it's got some of their older, it's got thing. I think, like um, please, please, please let me get what I want is on there, which is an old song, but it's mostly their newer stuff, stuff in 12 inches. But yeah, Smith.
1: Tell, uh, tell me more about this conference. Sounds like there were some interesting uh, folks there. Yeah. I mean, th- I, I went last year and this is a conference called the Podcast Movement because there's a podcast movement going on. That's a really unfortunate name. Yeah. And it- Was this their number two year? Was it two or three? I'm not sure. I know last I just year. Made a poop joke, Dan, because it was called no, podcast movement. I just picked up on it.
0: I have to go make a podcast movement.
1: <sighs> okay. Sorry. No, it's good. It's all good.
0: Second, Second year,
1: I can't remember. Third? Anyway, last year I went, it was in Dallas. I didn't speak. I just, you know, hung out, and enjoyed the conference, talked to some folks. This year, they said, we'd love to, to have you. I think last year, they tried to get me on a panel. It didn't work out. This year, they got me on uh, on, a, on a small talk that I wanted to, to do. So that was nice. You know, it was, in a, it was in the Omni in Fort Worth, which is a great hotel. And, uh, you know, they've got their sort of meeting rooms. And you, you go to the meeting rooms. And you watch people. Mark Marin was there and spoke, you know, did a, did a thing, which was great. They had a, a Ms. Koenig, who does cereal. And they had some big names. And also they let, they let me give a talk. And so that was kind of, kind of uh, neat, you know, it's all these people together. But the audience is not, what I realized is that we, and when I say we, I mean you and me and the people that we think of as our podcasting friends and also the, the surprisingly large group of our collective listeners. We... Live in a very, very different world of podcasting than the, those other people. Mm-hmm. And those other people. That's been very strange to realize in the last six months. <sighs> it
0: is. It's, it's, so, it's uh, the ground, the ground has completely moved underneath us.
1: It, thank you for saying it so well. Yes. It is not podcasting. And the shift is so big that we are now. This, this collective group of us that have been podcasting and listening to podcasts longer than anyone, we are now the, the, the very small minority of people who are making and listening to podcasts. We, we, the geek people, the tech people, and it's if you look at blogging and you look at how blogging started, it started with people who knew how to design websites and knew how to write HTML and knew how to ftp files and were very geeky nerdy folks it evolved to not be that anymore most of the people who were blogging at its peak were not the geeky people per se they might have seemed like that to us but like they weren't they were the masses right and they had tools like blogger and tumblr and wordpress and movable type and other things that were m- much much easier to use where they could just go and type something and just like Twitter to me seems like a bunch of geeky people talking about comic books, but that's not what Twitter is to most people. Mm -hmm. And seeing this huge, huge shift, it, 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 it becomes very, very, very real when you're at a conference like this and you see people who are dressed in suits and, you know, it, it, they have a very different reason to be there. Their reason to be there isn't just as simple as this personal brand. It's MLM stuff. And it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah. I don't want to call it smarmy because it's not, that's, that's a dismissal of a but lot it's of a, things. I mean,
0: it's, uh, this is a difficult word. You know what I'm trying well, to get it's a, across? It's a kind of carpet, it's a kind of carpet bagging. Yeah, a lot of ways yeah. where, or, you know, or, um, I'm not poor mouthing but you know i think that the analogy between blogs and podcasts works for a lot of reasons not least because a lot of people who do blogs have ended up doing podcasts and blogs i mean there's a there's a timeline to both that's somewhat similar mm-hmm. in some ways there's a sense of first of all like what in the hell is a blog and why would i care right and then when you find out about a blog, you go okay so what that's like like an encyclopedia brown version of journalism <laughs> it's like well no it's not it's actually pretty different if you're following blogs a lot and different people, you realize that part of it is the within a certain number of constraints, generally agreed upon constraints about how we package and product these things. Or you know, not, not that's the wrong word for it, but the you know the, the limitations of uh, the CMSs, for example. I mean, you know, people used to spend a lot of time going like, "What is a blog? Yeah. Like, is is you know, if Robot Wisdom is a blog, then is Kakia a blog? Is is you know, and so on and so forth." But the the in the timeline. It did go from like what is this, to let's find a way to utilize this fairly quickly once it caught on, to where you could have something like Gawker or have something like Huffington Post. And now the thing is, how is Huffington Post that different from CNN at this point, or the CNN of years ago, or you know any of those things? They're large media companies. Not not that that's bad, but it's in this. But blogging used to, in particular, mean except in rare instances things like say metafilter most blogs were one voice and one voice on a handful of topics and they were personal in nature the idea of a business blog used to seem like a pretty weird idea and most of them were terrible they were just you know pr so but but then in the fullness of time i think you now go look at the newspapers i think most of the stuff happening is like it's cheaper to just put stuff on the web than put it in a magazine i mean macworld continues macworld is a big blog at this point right i think I mean, it's a big blog with video ads. Yeah, like it's not MacWorld it's changed, used to right? and well, it's changed, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I'm not I mean to be disparaging, but you know, that's that's tough to look at in a lot of ways because I loved the magazine MacWorld. Me too for, for 30 years, uh, but it and what made it great was it was a magazine. Like the first time I had an article in MacWorld, I felt like I'd really arrived. Oh yeah. I mean, Jason Snell was like, "Do you want to write something about email for MacWorld?" And I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Like, right. Duh. I, I what a what an honor. So and then with podcasts, I don't know. It's strange. If you weren't there for all of the ups and downs. And I, you know, I, I feel like this needles you a little bit when people are like, oh, there's a thing in the New York Times and the mid put out a press release. So everybody thinks podcasts just got invented this year. And that can be a little bit frustrating. Um, partly because it's, you know. It's not fr- to me. It's not frustrating in terms of like, well, you look nice today. Was the beginning of a certain kind of podcast. I think you could kind of say that there Absolutely are a lot of shows that, that, that wouldn't exist if you look nice today. had course, of course. Of course. But, but it's not even that. It's more like, well, you weren't. You missed a lot of the best times in this. You in know, some that's
1: way. that's a part of it too, isn't it? It's like that early time. But to a lot of people, like right now, is the early time or see like for them to, and which it
0: is it is in, in the grand scale but here's the only thing I want to say i want to try and say this in a nuanced way which is going to be kind of hard but like if you look at what what people think of what normal people who are learning about podcasts in the last year or two think of as podcasts it's kind of two general kinds of things um well maybe three but like you've got a, a lot of the shows that are really popular are basically public radio shows that happen to be a podcast exactly There are other shows, let's just say generally, that are basically a morning zoo radio show, Mm -hmm. but as a podcast. Mm -hmm. So it's two kinds of radio shows that just happen to be delivered through MP3s and RSS. Right. Nothing wrong with that. But in the same way that blogs meant something different than a magazine, I think of a podcast as being kind of a different thing from a radio show. So in the last year, you've seen this surfeit of articles about how do you have, to, you have to improve the quality, and you have to do this, and you have to do that, and you have to have an outline, and you have to do your ad reads this way. And like when I read those, I go, "That sounds like great advice for somebody who's doing an air check to try and get a radio show." Yeah, but that's not what this is. Like <laughs> people who've been doing this for two years, vending all this advice about how to do podcasts is, is funny on some levels. Cause it's like, well, no, I know what podcasts are cause I helped invent them.
1: <laughs> that's right. No. And you did. And, and, and me, that's, me and Dave Weiner and Al Gore. No, but really, if you think about it, you know, like I was, so I was going up this escalator from the lobby to the second floor where the, where the, the event was going on. And it occurred to me that just like people have, you know, most of the people at this event, didn't didn't know who I was, hadn't heard of Five by Five, didn't didn't know who Merlin Man was. You know what I mean? Like like the people that I think of, like yeah, like. But wh- wh- why would they? Right, and that's the whole thing. Just like I don't know the name of the person who invented the escalator that I was riding, and yet I <laughs> use the escalator all the time, and I have no idea <laughs> who the person was that made this giant contribution to like how I get around in buildings. You know, and like it's a foregone conclusion. Of course, there will be an escalator there. And my wife is not the reason I think about it is my wife isn't telling me how like dangerous escalators are for kids and all these terrible things that happen. So like I'm thinking about escalators a lot, but like it really just I have no idea who invented them or when they were invented or really how they're powered or what goes on underneath it or why it just simply you step on it. And it takes you up from here to there and you don't have to go up the steps. You just stand or maybe you go up the steps if you're in a hurry. But like it's just this thing that you never think about unless it's broken. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that podcasts and every single thing that you and I and the rest of us who have been in this for a while have done up to this point equals an escalator. Like there's really nothing more to it. Than the fact that it's just there. It's this thing that's there and it, it's, it's incidental in getting me from here to there. And as long as it works, I don't even see it or I don't even think that's a, about that's it. A, that's a pretty good analogy. Well, because I
0: mean, like if somebody like me, like, what's my contribution to podcasts? My contribution to podcasts is this two things. I took something that somebody else made, which is the idea of an RSS format for turning audio into something that can be served, you know, in bite sized pieces. Right bite ish size pieces. I had nothing to do with that. And what's the other part? I did it a lot. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's there's nothing that distinguished about that. And we've we've just seen though in the last two years how like somebody going, aha I mean, this has been a pretty slow burn for public radio for a while. I mean it's been in the last four or five years, you really would have to if you listen to public radio, you would really have to not be looking to notice how much podcasts were becoming <laughs> what this medium wanted totally, to be.
1: Totally. Totally. And, you know, everything Everything we like about time shifting, everything we like about not, um, you know, n- not having to, like I tweeted a, a question, a- a- I guess two weeks ago, where I was asking people, because, you know, one of the things that me and-, and some of the other folks that I've talked to is like live, like we're streaming this live right now and people are in the chat room suggesting titles and fun stuff like that. But we don't get anywhere near the live uh, live listenership that, are- that a-, a radio show does. But I was asking people like, why do you think that is? Because our 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 downloads are are good and grow, you know, on a regular basis like that's, you know, thank you for that for listening, but you know, like the show is doing well, other shows are doing well, but live listeners don't seem to really grow that much. And I asked people, I was curious like why? What what are you listening to live? And resoundingly the answer was like sporting events and that's may and maybe breaking news, but overwhelmingly that's it. That's all people care about watching or listening live they would love and i'm i'm included in this like i love time shifting stuff i want to watch it when i want to watch it not when it's on
0: well and that's the and what you're describing though is that's what makes it different from radio is exactly the, 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 the pro the product whatever the output the thing the created object is this audio file that you listen to when you feel like it i would never go set aside time to listen to a live recording of something unless i'd already become a big fan of the, right. the regular product. like right. uh, So for what? Things like the Incomparable, uh, ATP, um, uh, Accidental Tech Podcast, or um, I guess sometimes... Um, uh, what's Mike and Jason's show? Um, upgrade. I'll listen live. But those are all shows that I, I came to really like because I like the people from things and I would listen to them on other shows and I came to like a given show and that's what would make me go listen live. That's definitely not the thing. No, listening not Listening live is not the thing, especially given how much a lot of people edit.
1: That's right. And and if if what you're used to is the edited final produced version of a show and you hear something live where people are editing a lot you're going to be kind of disappointed in that experience. You miss out on Marco's and,
0: wonderful ad-, ad reads though.
1: Yeah, he would.
0: <laughs> we have to, or he
1: has to redo the ad reads. Um, but, um, you know, like yeah. I listen to, I, I love to listen to sports related stuff and I'm still like old fashioned. I like live radio. I like listening to like, I, and I've often cited Dan Patrick as a good example of this. Uh, you know, he's on in the morning and on during the school year when I'm taking my kid into school, like at seven 30, I'm kind of, I'm like at the office at like seven thirty, and there's a good hour or so before anyone else comes in or before calls start coming in or whatever I have to start doing for show work. So I've got like that hour, hour and a half where I can listen to the Dan Patrick show or even watch, you know, the Dan Patrick show in a window. And, you know, he also releases it as a podcast, but it, I, you know, for me, like listening to that, listening to it and having it kind of on in the background There's still some fun for that, but that's not how people listen to podcasts. They're listening in the car. They're listening to it as like not so much in the background. I know people do have it playing in the background, but a lot of the time it's a more of a foreground activity. You know, I'm washing the dishes and I'm listening or I'm driving to work and I'm listening or I'm on my walk and I'm listening. So it becomes the thing that they're they may be doing an activity, but their attention is on that, which I feel like is so different from like the afternoon talk show or the morning zoo, which is just kind of on in the car while you're driving. Yeah. It's like a, just a companion. Right. But that's good for podcasts, you know, but anyway, mm-hmm. this, this industry, I think, I feel like it has, it has changed so much. And there are so many, so many of the talks were like how to promote your brand, how to make money. Like that was the, those were the talks that were going on. And there were so many people in suits and like, you know, it just the the few the few people who were like, "Oh Dan," you, like they came up and they weren't like, "Dan, I listened to," uh, you know, there was one guy who's like, "I remember you from the Hive Logic days," you know, thanks for writing that tutorial that helped me install MySQL that time, mm-hmm. like that very normal at a WWDC, very normal at XOXO to be like, "Oh, I remember back in the day, you and you know whatever you used to," or I listen to every episode of Back to Work. A lot of the people who came up to me now were like, thank you for podcast method. That's how they knew me, because that's the one show that I do that I think falls outside of the like, I'm talking about like comic books and tech news and geeky stuff like that. That show falls well outside of that. That's like, let me tell you about like how to talk into a microphone. And that people came up to me and said, and this was the only place that anyone has ever even mentioned that show in person to me. And I was fascinated by that. Like, there's this a whole group of, of listeners that are people I don't feel like I, I know. Like, I feel like I know our listeners. But I don't feel like I know those listeners as much. Right. Well. I don't know. Yeah, like, I, I'm, I'm, I a, I'm
0: confused. I had a similar experience. Um mm. What, maybe 2006, 7, 8, I forget when, but I got invited to this conference and I I, I just smelled it coming around the corner. I was like, uh if it weren't I, I kind of did it for the money. <laughs> but I spoke at this talk and I <clears throat> and it was right in the midst of like the whole like explosion of like ugh, the the whole like crap storm of SEO, personal brand, something something blog, mm. income muse, mm. like all that stuff that I that only I used to make fun of. Yes, right, right. <laughs> that now, now everybody likes to make fun of. Well, I used to be considered like the turd in the punch bowl because I thought that stuff was so execrable. But it was. It ended up being a very interesting talk. It must have been two thousand eight or nine because I remember I did this talk. The stage was darkened so that the screen behind me could display the tweets of everybody who was commenting on my talk while I was doing it. <clears throat> this tells you something about the audience. Yeah, but I remember going there and like feeling like. And I, I kind of did one of my scolding talks about, you know, trying to make something better, you know, trying to make something that's more than just a way to make money. And, and the nice part is I got a lot of really nice responses from people. I had many people press their card into my hand because that's a thing you do at a conference mm, like right. this. But it was just, it's a similar, it was a similar sort of time. They were not familiar with what I did at all. They had no reason to be. I it wasn't their circle. They were there not because they were there to promote what they were doing and to learn more about making money with it. And so, you know, that's, Kind of where we are now. That's what that's what people want to do now, right? But it's, um, I don't know. It's an interesting time. It's a very interesting time. Well, it
1: is, and and but just seeing this, it's like going. I'm trying to think of a comparison that'll really hit home for people, but I I feel like it's it's like watching a football game from your couch with your friends compared to (laughs) going and seeing like an Eagles Dallas game, like in person. You know, in Philly, very different experience, and you realize that there is a whole lot of people that might like this game uh, that have a whole different kind of mindset about the world than you, and it 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 really is can almost be a little bit jarring, and you kind of say, "Wow, I don't, I don't know if I really like that so much," and it seems like it seems kind of weird, and we're sort of insulated from it a lot here. Uh, On, on, in this corner. And I kind of like it here in this corner, you know, like I feel like our friends are here and it's kind of a nice, fun place to be.
0: Well, yeah, absolutely. But also, as I mean, the obvious thing, I guess, is that like as with blogging, we come at it from a completely different direction, which was there was never, I mean, this, this sounds almost impossible now. Um, but there was never any thought that there would be money in this stuff. Right. And then there turned out to be some money in this stuff. And the part of the difference is it's, and this is not, this is not, like important or anything, but you, if you start out doing something because it's something you really love a lot and then figure out there may be some money with it, that's pretty fundamentally different from hearing that there's money you can make from a thing and right. deciding to do it. And I mean, I, I have to say, I don't have that much in, the, in, in terms of sour grapes. I think there's room for everybody. I think it's, you know, my biggest, my biggest concerns are incredibly boring, which are concerns about like, in some ways, I really am not sure. What is going to happen with the advertising model in all kinds of things right now, and I think that's going to be a very interesting evolution in the next couple of years. And you you see this being played out right now with uh, things like you know online uh, ads and like what uh, I- iOS nine might yeah. mean so yeah. with ad blocking and stuff yeah. like that. Or and then then that has very quickly become a conversation about well, listen, I'm not against ads, I'm against these you know whatever 200 HTTP calls that are giving me a 20 meg web page and running all these trackers, right. Have you ever installed that Ghostery? Have you tried that?
1: I have tried that. It's
0: um, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty nuts what some sites are running. You have very few things on your site, I should say. But um, and not, not, I mean, I, I've got stuff on my sites. There's, there's trackers and stuff. But like, I don't know. I just think that this is in the we we tend to focus on saying like, oh, this is a young medium, uh, podcasting because it is. It is still in those grand scheme of things, a very new thing. The internet is a new thing. Yeah. Guys, computers are a new thing. Like, you know, there, there's worlds we're living through that we couldn't have imagined five, 10 or 20 years ago. But I, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see what, what people want and desire and will pay for in some way or another with podcasts. Because I don't know what the answer is. You know, there's so much changing at one time. It's going to be difficult for us to even grok how much change is happening until two years from now is my, is my feeling.
1: It may I'm going to keep doing it, though. Can't yeah. stop me. No. you try? No. Let me talk about the last thing, and then I've got another short topic, if we have time. Yep. All right. The last thing is a little thing called Squarespace, the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store. It's funny. You know, we we, we were talking about how things change, how blogging has changed. Even Squarespace has changed a lot in its time of being here. I mean, when I think Squarespace came out, I think... It, we thought of it or i thought of it a lot as as like a blogging tool like this is this is something i can use to go and make a, a blog and i can start blogging but it's it's an it's an alternative to the self-hosted cmss right but it's way different i mean you can still blog with it but now it's so much more it's more about creating amazing websites where blogs are a component of that you know if you're if you're a musician You can upload your MP3s to it and create an album and like it gets that. You can have it, uh, you can host a podcast with it. You can sell stuff with it, with their built-in commerce stuff. Uh, And of course you can, you can blog with it. You can do so many different things. There are people who are, it's always funny because I have this little game that I play whenever I see a really cool website. I always say to myself, okay, is it Squarespace? I know. You know, do do you play that game? oh, I do
0: it all the time and I'm, I'm frequently wrong both ways. <laughs>
1: <laughs> because when you see something, you're like... Because they've
0: had a huge impact on what other sites look like.
1: That's right. Like other sites are now copying the Squarespace uh, look because the templates that you get with Squarespace are so varied and so customizable that it, you can look at two sites that look completely different and you're like, there's no way that one thing made both of these, but it does. And, uh, you know, restaurants businesses, blogs. What's nice about it is you can focus on the stuff that you do well, which probably isn't making an amazing website. It's probably building an iOS app, right? Or like, you know, working on the menu for your restaurant or just wanting to go and create some nice content and sell some mugs. Whatever it is that you want to do, you can do it with Squarespace. So they have set up a special code uh, for our listeners. It's your show, all one word, it's your show. And if you go to squarespace.com slash back to work, you'll get uh, those two things, 10% off your first purchase and it will be showing uh, support for back to work. So again, it's your show is the code squarespace.com slash back to work. Thanks very much to them and go uh, go check it out.
0: Bok, bok. Thank you, Squarespace. Bok, yep. I'm on a Squarespace site right now. Oh yeah? Right this minute. Here I am. See it? Yeah. There it is. Look at that. I love them. What's your, uh, what's your other uh, topic, Dealey? Well... This is just. I don't know if I
1: want to. I don't know if, if you want to. I don't. Because I don't it, I it could be a, it could be a big thing. I let me let me make this short. I remember one time a long time ago, you were telling me about an application that you used to manage and 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 keep track of your contacts on the Mac. Can you remind me what that was?
0: Oh yeah yeah yeah. Uh, it was then called CoBook. What is it? Are you still using it? No. What are you using now? Well, I mean, Cobook changed its whole thing. Oh, yeah? Like, its whole model, and I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to remember exactly what happened, but they, the iOS app really, really changed. It got a whole new name, and it became more of this, like, Contacts as a Service kind of thing, where uh. they wanted you to do stuff, and um, no, but for contact, I mean, I still use Cobook on my very old um, Mac on OS 10, but mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I end up using the contacts app on iOS and the phone app on iOS, and <laughs> all the
1: places you can get to contacts from there.
0: Well, uh, what's your what's, what's your what's your thing? What's happening?
1: Well, here's here's what happened: was I was looking at my contacts, and apparently, I had been using no less than three different sources for my contacts. One of them was iCloud,
0: mm-hmm. which
1: I like because I have an iPhone 5s and I love it, and I've got an iPad, and I've got a bunch of Macs and other devices where I like to get all the contacts in one place and they're all Apple stuff. So that's sort of the one Apple cloud service that I really like and that seems to just work in ways that seem magic. Like uh, you can edit a contact here and it shows up there right away and it you can add a, a a new picture of, you know, of a friend and it's just instantaneously everywhere. Little things like that seem to be magical. But I also found that I had, for some reason, on some computers, enabled contacts syncing from Google with...
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, so <clears> a <throat> couple different accounts were in there, and there were... You're thinking, s- oh, I'm sorry. You know what? I apologize. Mm. So you're talking about the app that I use
0: to deal with that syncing problem of yeah. those two platforms. Yeah. I'm so sorry. No, yeah, I didn't yeah, explain yeah. it well. So, no, my bad. But just to, just to cover my butt here, the, the app that I was talking about for managing contacts uh whatever those contacts are the corpus of contacts yes. is called um was called cobook and it's something else now it's some ding-a-ling service now yeah. Um, uh, uh, i think syncman was what i used for that and syncman is an app that gives you options for oh, yeah. in this case if you want if you and i personally i'm here's a spoiler i would avoid doing this if you can possibly stand it there are other ways that will not drive you crazy but if you if you have to have your Google contacts and your iCloud contacts in the same place, SyncMan can be very helpful at fixing some of the problems. Well, I think what, it's called SyncMan.
1: It, there, there is a thing called SyncMan. Synchronized address book with Gmail is what it's called. I mean, contacts on the Mac will do some synchronization, but things still seem to be in different places. And I noticed a strange thing. is I had tons and tons and tons of contacts, like a thousand that weren't things that I had ever manually or intentionally created, because Gmail adds those. That's what I wanted to find out: is is it right. Gmail that's doing that? Like, if yep. if you just reply to somebody, are they now a contact? Well,
0: uh, I think I don't know the exact way that it decides, but I can verify that. I, uh, one reason I stopped doing that was that people. Yeah, I don't know how it happened, but I, yeah, I guess it was people I responded to. Um, But there's, there's a couple, three things that are related that happen that make Gmail kind of a bad actor in that arrangement. Um, and that's one of them. One of them is there's stuff in there I never put in there. Like, I get why it put it in the G, like for Gmail as a web app, I get why they would do that. It wants to remember stuff. For some reason, it never remembers you. I don't know why. It remembers somebody I've emailed once a couple days ago, but I have to keep rem- reminding it who you are. It's very strange. Mm. Uh, so there's that problem. But the, the, the one that I found to be an ongoing killer that would eventually cause a problem is that there's not a direct mapping between the names of fields. I mean, first of all, there's not a canonical name for certain fields. right? And, it, and so these apps will try to deal with that. But, you know, okay, is this work? Mobile? Main? iPhone? other, like what is that phone number? And you will end up eventually, I can almost promise you will, you will end up getting various kinds of duplicates, either duplicates as entries inside of a a contact, or as is often the case with Google in my experience, multiple contacts that are duplicate. And then you start running into this weird problem where sometimes if you email a bunch of people, an email, Kelly Sue ran into this just last week, you somehow somebody's name, somebody's email address accidentally somehow ends up and somebody else's contact. So like your email address could end up on somebody else's contact. Right. I detail. right. And or so like, now I that would, starts I, showing
1: up as you. Or you, or like I had a, Apple, I kept seeing Apple Inc. And it would be like some spam from, you know, Twitter. And I'm like, how is that? Because, well, because somehow it, got confused and added the Twitter no reply to the Apple no reply to, you know what I mean? Right, and
0: then when you try and run something like Contact Cleaner or something else to to remove duplicates, you run into all kinds of weird problems because it's doing some pretty smart guessing on your part. yeah Like if this this email appears in three places and the other information is similar enough, it seems like the same contact. But you can do something like a great app like Contact Cleaner will end up producing these contact cards with like 40 names on it because they all happen to be weirdly associated with this email. Right. And in some way of the algorithm trying to remove duplicates, it's ended up becoming very confused about who's real. So, I mean, what my, you can continue, but I have advice on well, this. Uh,
1: here's what I did. And, and this might've been a brute force kind of a thing, but I, I exported out the, uh, all of the, the, the Gmail, the two different Gmail account ones as, as you know, just so I could like have them, uh, one thing I learned is when you do that, you have to sort of select the account and then do export as a card, and it'll say like the the name, and it'll say and one thousand three hundred thirty two others. You right. don't want to export it as an address book archive because the only thing you can do with that is just import it and no, it'll and replace you. Want PCF, PCF, right. right. So I so I, yeah. So I exported that and then I turned those off and just had the iCloud and I just synced up the the iCloud one, uh, you know, I, I had it. I had it look for duplicates within there. I pruned that, and and I actually found that that was the most sort of complete, uh an important set of of contacts. And I just left the other ones turned off. Well, and I don't know. I, I don't feel like that's the right thing to do. And I'm wondering, should I like export that and import it into to Google and have it? I mean, how do I? Do this now. I I mean, I
0: I I used to look for ways to automate stuff like that on a large scale to kind of use a shovel instead of a teaspoon. But I think you have to ask ask yourself questions uh, about a variety of things. Like one of them is like, do you really need the stuff? Like first of all, can you just say straight up that I know all my stuff in Gmail? Those contacts should be canonical versus the iCloud. Is, is there an easy winner? And if there is an easy winner, I would really consider just sticking with those. Um If there's not, then you're going to have to do all kinds of really frustrating and annoying stuff because it's not like iCloud syncing is perfect. You can still accidentally do stuff like clobber all of your contacts by deleting a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. and it gets synced before you've had a chance to import the old stuff. And so I don't I don't even want to begin to do a tutorial on this because there's so much rain dance to this. <laughs> you want to do stuff like first of all do a full backup of everything. And I would put a timestamp on there so you know which is which by just looking at the name. And then um You know, I would go to the one that you've. And and how did you arrive at knowing this is the more canonical one? Like the iCloud in this case, I like the iCloud better because it conforms better to the data to to like the format. Like Mm -hmm. I don't get a lot of other in iCloud where I would get a lot of other as a phone number on Gmail. I mean, my my bottom line advice is, unless if you can pull it off, you know, however many you've got, I would say pick one and then just cannily add stuff as needed. Because when you merge those two data sets, there's just so many things that can go wrong. Yeah. And don't drink while you're doing it. <laughs> just be really careful because it's it's so easy to clobber something and then have that propagate across all the syncing services and you're not sure why it happened. Right. And you know you can always roll back to whatever you back up, but I don't know. I think that's one of those things where that I end up being different than I was five or 10 years ago where I'll satisfy with one that's close enough and then just make changes in the future because... I don't know, I went through this. I went through this with some clients, some friends who wanted to be able to sync all their cl- contacts. Like, I guess this is just you know smart computer guy stuff. But they were like, we want to be able to sync all of our contacts with each other. And I was like, hmm, that's actually surprisingly not that easy to do, right? To confidently sync five people's contacts and know they're updated, know they're correct, know they're not duplicated, and know that one of them is not missing information <laughs> over another one. Yeah. What we eventually realized is that. One of these, what they really needed was to see one person's contacts. So it was as easy as saying, well, for this one thing, let's add they trust each other they add their iCloud information and then just sync the contacts so you know you have to kind of hack on what it is you really need to solve or in that case maybe maybe do an export export of that person's contacts and put it in a Google spreadsheet so everybody has access to it and then you just update it every few weeks but you know it really helps to ask yourself what the problem is that you're solving because although there are tools that can help you with this there's so much native to context first of all being a mess on most platforms but also to sync having the potential to be a mess. Yeah. So what are you going to do?
1: Well, I mean, I don't know. I I'm wondering if because I I do not use the Gmail web interface that much. I'm usually using Mail app and it's very good about not adding stuff unless you manually add it. It's also using the iCloud address book as its source. Um so I don't know, like I'm almost tempted to just try and, and because I, like listening to you say that just now, I'm thinking, well, the one address book is could potentially be iCloud. And yeah. I'm not often without iCloud. Like I suppose I might be in a situation where my phone doesn't have any charge, I don't have a laptop or iPad with me, and all I have is like a public terminal with uh, with Gmail on it. But if that's the extreme situation that I'm in, well... Like the people I might want to email would be in there anyway. So I would
0: say, I mean, I would say just, I would, I would consider just you, if you're mostly just using Apple apps mm-hmm. with Google Mail mm-hmm. and Apple contacts. Yeah. I would just start noticing if things aren't, like if, for example, you get an email with somebody and it's just a pure email without a name. I would just start looking for that and noticing that and adding those people to your Apple contacts yeah. when it happens. Yeah that that would solve a lot of your problem because you want what well, the the real problem is you you like the gmail service
1: i well I mean I would love you to. like
0: the app well you like but you like the Apple apps
1: I do like the Apple apps I would love to go away from the gmail service too but that's a whole nother show
0: yeah well, I should have made that decision a long time ago yeah oh, I know um yeah, I don't know I just you know it gets to this deep rich. this is not an apple Issue. I'm not yelling at Apple, but there's just a whole lot of things these days where, like, I will tend to choose whatever option has the least risk associated right. with it because right. it's just the, the payoff of having something that seems whizzy, like, work correctly. Yeah. Uh, it's not nearly as present in my life as the downside of it going horribly wrong and not knowing how to fix it. Because, you know, there's all kinds of things where there's, there's, con- <laughs> it's ramifications, there's consequences because, like, if you, Keep trying to get this thing synced, and you log in wrong a certain number of times, you might get locked out. And then, like, how do you get? To, you know, it's just I'm kind of paranoid about that stuff. I'm
1: very paranoid about it. Yeah. Anyway, that was that was it.
0: I would say try to go with the iCloud. See if you can live with say, it. I'm going to do it. Um, Contact Cleaner is a pretty good app, though. It's Contact on the app store. Cleaner. Not too expensive, and it uses a variety of little. I guess I'll just say algorithms. I'm not sure if that's the right word, but to find duplicate, like it'll it'll run through all of your data. First, it'll ask you to back it up, which is smart. And then it'll say like, okay, here's some people, here's some, some ones with duplicate emails. Here's some duplicate phone numbers. Here are titles I don't recognize. I need to reformat this phone number to be the way that you like. Um, and a little light usage of that, I think, can be extremely helpful. It'll at least make you aware. I don't know. It just drives me crazy. When I spend a lot of time on this, I, do, I think I got the sync right. And then a couple days later, I suddenly have duplicates of many, but not all, contacts. That's the worst kind because you're like, well, okay, why those? Right? Why don't I have 4,000 duplicates? How come I have 200 duplicates? Right? 200 duplicates is a harder problem to solve because there's something I have to figure out now about what it's confused about. And in my experience, I feel like that's where Google has an, uh, a phone field for other and it gets confused. And so that makes two people, you know, and it's not really even so different from like the iCloud problem or the iTunes Sync thing of like, why? I've got, I've got a, uh, a queen best of album where there's like 19 songs that it thinks is this queen album and then two songs that it thinks is this queen album. And why isn't that on the same album? Because there's something in the metadata that's confused it. And like, how do I figure that out?
1: Hm. Mystery.
0: Was de- that was depressing. I know. This, uh, fo- this uh, image from the Simpsons is very funny. Yeah, I got that in there. I'm looking at it right now. It's good stuff. Well, it's just like a downer note to end on. Yeah, mm-hmm. The rest of the show will hold up. Did you ever forward that email to Aaron from the CEO of that publishing company? <laughs> <laughs> we got to make I, sure that felt like it's on the I air. No, we got to get... Gotta send on it to here. everybody you know named Aaron. Yeah. I mean, start with start with our Aaron, but then send it. just send it to everybody because that guy should probably be out in front of a lot of people. Thank you to everyone who keeps asking us to have their uh, author appear on the show. It's... Uh, I wouldn't have as much access to my
1: rage Forward for that. No, I but I love it, and your responses are so good. I, have I had a good one lately? I don't remember. Yeah. Um,
0: well, there's all the ones where I say like, "What's your favorite?" What's your episode? favorite episode? But, but you know,
1: I don't know. Hold on. Let me let me see if I can find one here. Hold on.
0: Uh, I do try. I try to. I, I read all the email and I try to answer as much of it. You do as great. I can.
1: You do really good. Better than I used to be, huh? Well, there know, were a nice email. You've been good way longer than I can remember now. There was a time when you, it was just the black hole and now you're, you're on the ball. Everyone, We're, we're
0: lucky. We don't, we don't get
1: that much email. I mean, when I hear people on other podcasts, I can't
0: tell if they're exaggerating. Like, I've got all this response from people. I'm like, we, we don't get hundreds of emails. We get a handful. We get maybe five to 10 emails about an episode. It's not hard to do. And we're fortunate because they're mostly very thoughtful.
1: <laughs> What'd you find? Uh, just another response. <laughs> looking through your responses to things and they're good. They're just all so good. How how can you be so good all the time? (laughs) Just try not to care. Uh, Yeah. Are you want to button this up? Yeah, I'm just. These are good. I'm gonna review these again for a laugh later. Yes, let's button it up. Okay, I love you. I love you too, Merlin Man.